very Merry Christmas to you. Welcome back to Monster Frequency. This is our Christmas special. Uh, got a few absolutely fantastic guests. Very excited about this. So let me just introduce who is coming up. First of all, Blue Peter fans. Are there any out there? It's time for you to rejoice because we have got the one and only Connie, Connie Huck, on the uh, podcast episode today. She's the longest serving female Blue Peter presenter of all time. She's an all round legend. Uh, she's going to be talking all about this uh, fantastic campaign focused around remote working. There's this campaign that you can get involved with where you can actually go abroad to a, to a subtropical island, help out with conservation and work remotely. Sound interesting? Listen out for that. That's coming up. We've also got Paul Howard Jones, Professor of Neuroscience and Education at the School of Education, University of Bristol. He's best known uh, for presenting on the BAFTA-nominated Channel 4 series, Secret Life of Four-Year-Olds. Now today, Professor Howard Jones is going to be chatting alongside Harriet Roberts, the Director of Fundraising at Shelterbox, uh, all about Shelterbox's uh, Christmas appeal. Shelterbox is an international disaster relief charity. They do absolutely fantastic work. We're going to hear a bit about that and how you can help out uh, this Christmas time. Right, let's kick off this episode then. We're going to start off with the fantastic Connie Huck. And don't worry, folks, we are also going to be asking her to lay down a song request for your playlist. So straight after this episode, you better be getting it straight on. Give it a listen. Let's find out what she's going to have. Right, this is Connie. Um, broadcaster and presenter, wishing you a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you very much, Connie. It's an absolute pleasure to have you have you with us. Well, we're all very excited to have you here. Actually, you know what? It sounds like it's been a, a very exciting time in the life of Connie, because I was going to ask you what's new in the world of Connie, but actually quite a bit by the looks of things. I mean, you've been involved with fantastic campaigns, carrying on to encourage children in STEM subjects, children's stories published, mm-hmm. uh, and even mm-hmm. launching this, this fantastic campaign today. So quite quite exciting stuff for you, I think. <laughs> lots, lots going on. This one is exciting because, let's face it, we're all working from home again, aren't we? We, we weren't sure it would happen. It's happened and we're all working remotely. But um, we've had some research done um, into sort of what Brits think about working from home. Do they hate it? Do they love it? And actually, the, the findings have been quite um, interesting in that over half of Brits are open to working from anywhere in the world now. So they've really changed their mindsets. And actually, we've seen a lot of people moving out of cities to sort of greener greener environments, the countryside, to the suburbs maybe, um, because you can work pretty much from anywhere in certain jobs now. You don't have to go into the office. And 58% of people have said that they'd be happy to work longer hours if they can remotely work. Um, so those are all sort of symptomatic of the pandemic and how we sort of changed our work life structure and habits over the last um, year and beyond. And then we also found that over half of people said that they feel it's very important to give back. And that is due to the fact that more than ever during lockdown and during the pandemic, people have been helping out with things going on in the community, whether it's getting to uh, loved ones that are shielding heavily or making sure that groceries are going out to the elderly. You know, people really did rise to the occasion and give back to their local communities. So the good folk at Le Novo have taken this on board and in conjunction with Work for Humankind, um, they are 
offering to people, perhaps two of your listeners, from anywhere in the UK, the opportunity to work remotely, but from the Pacific Island uh, called Robinson Crusoe Island, which is 400 miles off the coast of Chile. Um, so you'll be able to continue your day job uh, that you're perhaps doing from your kitchen counter as we speak or on your bedroom floor or on your living room sofa, crouching over your laptop. But you'll be on an island, essentially surrounded by beautiful wildlife. So this island is so remote that it has many unique species you'll find nowhere else on Earth. It's got amazing biodiversity. And you'll also get the opportunity to give back to the community there and help with the ongoing conservation projects that are happening out there so it really really is quite a special and unique once in a lifetime experience wow what an experience i, mean, I, I never actually heard of this island but i was uh, looking it up actually and actually i think i'm correct in thinking it's actually one of the most ecologically rich places you know in the world so a pretty remarkable place i think yeah and one that needs preservation we need to keep all the wildlife and all the animal species that are there because you know as we know with islands often because of that barrier of the sea you have unique um wildlife plant and wildlife that you won't find anywhere else yeah fantastic i was looking into the kind of um you know the kind of people that they're they're looking for and it actually looks extremely broad which is which is really cool so pretty much anyone yes. i think can get involved i mean you know stretching right through from scientists to i think you know marketers coaches uh, in sports fitness people uh, food influencers and chefs i mean the the, the list is, is pretty extensive so it's pretty awesome yeah it's definitely a broad church because we just want to look at the applicants and see you know the personalities and the skill sets that come through and then in conjunction with the NGOs working over there, um, choose two people that we think are deserved and that will be beneficial as well to the islands and the islanders, take them out there, um, pay for transportation, put them up for a month and offer them this unique cultural and life-changing experience. Yeah, what I love about it, I mean, I don't know if you um, kind of agree with this as well, Connie, but in terms of, you know, the, the campaign itself is absolutely fantastic. But in a kind of wider perspective, I think it also works just brilliantly as like this big statement saying, you know, look, you know, working from home can bring real environmental benefits. It'd be really interesting, I think, to see kind of how that goes in, in the coming years, you know, whether we will end up returning a lot of us to offices or whether actually we'll, we'll jump on it and, and, and hopefully, you know, br deliver a bit of a benefit to the environment. I don't know what you think. Yeah, definitely, because we're saving time by cutting out that commute. We're also saving carbon footprint by cutting out that commute. If offices streamline, they're saving workspace, which could be used for housing. Um, you know, so all of this is extremely beneficial to the environment and carbon footprint. And then when you are working from home, it gives you that extra opportunity and time to be able to get to know your community, um, to be able to help others. And that stands for wherever you are whether you're working remotely from you know in the uk or whether you're working remotely from robinson island um you need to now be thinking about ways in which to live your life where you can give back as much as you're taking out and if not more people yeah. talk of sort of carbon footprint of i don't know going on a holiday and the fact that the air miles and and the fuel costs and you know the carbon footprint is is not good but you can offset that by giving back which is exactly what this is all about giving back what you take out 
Yeah, it's really interesting as well, because I was kind of thinking about um, the kind of technology angle to it all. And I guess we're so familiar, aren't we? If someone says like, I don't know, green technology, you know, straight away you think of, you know, all the fantastic technologies like electric vehicles and, you know, renewable energy sources, all this kind of thing. But actually, I was thinking, if you think a bit wider, actually, perhaps even communications technologies that, that let people effectively work from home or work remotely, that in itself is kind of a green technology as well. I don't know what you think. No, I, I think you're absolutely right, because the fact is we wouldn't be able to work remotely without this technology. We'd have to be getting in the car and driving to the office or getting on the tube. Um, and so it's enabled us to cut down on carbon footprint by not having that travel implication. And, and as I said before as well, that implication of the actual building space, you know, buildings to make more and more buildings and housing often green land is impacted and we don't need to do it we've developed enough green land already it's important just to continue on the brown sites that we already have so technology has facilitated this massively and Lenovo have put the infrastructure in at Robinson Crusoe Island so that the islanders are connected now globally and have the connectivity and the communication capacity and anybody that enters this initiative and gets chosen um, there'll be 20 volunteers globally in total they will be able to carry on with that office zoom that they have to do every morning from work or you know do those phone calls or whatever it is it's all it's all still possible yeah, but only you'll be 400 miles off the coast of Chile <laughs> <laughs> on yeah. an island. <laughs> it sounds absolutely remarkable. I mean, it really does. Uh, I was wondering as well, I don't know if this is something, you know, might be a bit tough to do just off the top of your head. So obviously mm. don't worry at all. But I was thinking as well for like a, a bit of a wider thing, really, for I just want to, you know, in, in all of your kind of mm. work pre- presenting career, I'm sure you've probably got some great sources for people to perhaps learn a bit more about, you know, ecology in general or, or you know, talk, think about conservation efforts going on and, and you know, look at the wildlife that, that people are protecting and worried about. This might be tough, but I don't know if you had any kind of obvious advice for people who just want to delve yeah. into that a bit more. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, um, there's really, really good resources, actually, on, on the Greenpeace website, um, which are really good. At, in particular, you know, children often don't, don't, you know, it can be quite complicated, can't it? That yes, you're yes. told, oh, don't have, don't use petrol and don't use plastic, but also uh, eat less meat. And how does that all how does that all tie up and how does that all tally? You know, it can be quite confusing and the polar ice caps are melting and it can often be these disjointed things. Um, and actually it all sort of boils down to um, the fact that it's all to do with the carbon that we're taking out of the earth that we never did for years and years and years. And now we've, we've got these man-made substances, we've got petrol and plastic and all of this stuff. Uh, and nobody's returning that carbon back into the earth, which means to dispose of it. It's just carbon in the atmosphere, essentially, which means that the oxygen carbon balance is being disrupted, which is bad for our breathing, bad for plant and wildlife species, bad for global warming. And all of those dots are connected with the resources that they have got on their website. Um, The key things we need to be doing, looking after the oceans, looking after our greenery, living sustainably, and not using man-made materials. And it's really done quite nicely there. I also did um, a sort of educational video that sort of 
uh, spells it all out um, with the National Literacy Trust in conjunction with Greenpeace and the Mail Plus, which you can find online, which sort of spells it out very simply um, so that you can join all the dots and understand how it all works together. Oh, Connie, thanks so much. That's absolutely a fantastic answer. Really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, I won't keep you too much longer. I'm aware of your time. But I wanted really just to uh, finish, head towards finishing up by, first of all, if it's all right with yourself, if you wanted to kind of reiterate the campaign or, or point listeners in the direction of a bit more information or how to get involved, that'd be fantastic. And then finally, uh, I'd love to just give you a, you know, a, bit of a bit of a small thank you, but a bit of a song request, Connie. So I don't know if you uh, would like a song request, but I'd like to play one for you. Yeah. So it's up to you. Love that. <laughs> okay, so... Um... The website is lenovo.wfh.com. That's Lenovo. Sorry, not only the second dot. I've said it wrong. Lenovo. I'll say it again because I garbled that. Let's try again. Okay. Lenovo. L-E-N-O-V-O-W-F-H.com. Fantastic. And all the details are on the website. We're looking for two people from the UK who will apply by the 31st of December. Um, and then basically you need to be free from March to April of 2022. And then you'll be flown out there, uh, put up and have the amazing experience of doing your current job, but from this unique, amazing island. And then also you'll get the opportunity to give back by helping with their conservation projects as well. So, I mean, who wouldn't want to do that? Who wouldn't want to? Sounds amazing. Thank you so much, Connie. Very last thing then, song request time. Is it going to be busted? Because I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm right in thinking you were actually in one of their music videos in, in a bit of a special a few years back, right? That's, that's oh right. Oh my I think. goodness, I've totally <laughs> forgotten about that. Yes, I was, wasn't I? I'm yeah. saying, well, it's, it's a bit. It's a bit of a bit of a storming appearance, wasn't it? It's crashed the wedding. I think I could get that on for you if you like. <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to request that, but if you want to, you can totally play that. I was going to request something else completely different, but it's your call. No, you go for it, Connie. Whatever you want, it's going to come on. So, what are you thinking? Uh, let's go for "I Got a Feeling" by the Black Eyed Peas. Oh, awesome! It's coming straight up, <laughs> Connie. Thanks so much. <laughs> I will let you go and have a fantastic Christmas. Thank you. Thanks so much. Mm, yeah, there we go then. Travelling abroad to help out with some conservation while continuing to work remotely. Sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? Anyway, right, moving on with uh, this very special Christmas episode then. Uh, next up, and I think it really is important at Christmas time to think about those uh, less fortunate. This uh, next piece uh, is all about Shelterbox, the uh, international disaster relief uh, charity. They do some fantastic work. Uh, and we're going to get uh, the director of fundraising, that's Harriet Roberts, uh, on the uh, on the episode now to talk a bit about this. She's joined by Professor Paul Howard Jones. Um, now, he's actually been um, been recently on the BAFTA-nominated Channel 4 series, Secret Life of Four-Year-Olds. And he's actually on hand today to give his insights into uh, the latest campaign focused around helping people in Syria. And here they are, folks. My name's Harriet Roberts, and I'm Director of Fundraising at Shelterbox. I'm Paul Howard-Jones. I'm a professor at uh, University of Bristol, but uh, your listeners might know me better as one of the presenters on Secret Life of Four-Year-Olds. 
Oh, thank, fantastic. Thank you very much, Harriet. And thank you, uh, Professor Howard Jones. Pleasure to have you both um, with us. Uh, talking about uh, Shelterbox, of course, today and the fantastic work that you've been doing over there, Harriet. But uh, I wonder, first of all, we could just reflect on what Shelterbox is, because actually we've got quite a nice link with Shelterbox, because I know that you're kind of headquartered in Cornwall. I believe you actually started out in Helston, if, if I'm right about that, which is where which is where I live, actually. So we've got quite a nice link link with you. So very proud of that. <laughs> Oh, well, yes, you're absolutely bang on. So, yes, um, Shelterbox was um, kind of came from Helston 20 years ago. We're now based in Truro, but absolutely still Cornish and very proud of it. Um, but Shelterbox is, for those of your um, listeners who don't know, Shelterbox is a charity that provides emergency shel- shelter and other kind of um, household items to families who've lost their homes as a result of either conflict or disasters like earthquakes, hurricanes, cyclones, that sort of thing. Yes, thank you, Harry. And, and of course, uh, right now, uh, you are launching a kind of disaster relief charity with this Christmas appeal. Uh, and I, I wonder if we could talk a bit about, you know, because of course the focus um, today, or one of the focuses is Syria and what it's like for people and children um, over there called 10 years of conflict. It, it sounds pretty horrendous, to be honest. I wonder if you could just kind of tell us just a little bit about, about what it's like at wintertime over in Syria. Yeah, so as you've said, Ben, so it's been 10 years since the conflict began in Syria, which is um, almost hard to believe and Shelterbox have worked in Syria for eight of those 10 years so we've we've helped a lot of people we've helped about 400,000 people in that time um, and what people maybe don't understand about Syria is how cold it gets in the winter it can be very cold um, regularly kind of freezing and also extremely wet so if you're a family in a displacement camp you've had to leave their home with really very little um, then having a roof over your head so you can stay dry but also having items like blankets so you can stay warm warm mattresses that you can sleep on so you're not sleeping on a wet cold floor Um, and even things like kitchen sets so that families can spend time together and cook and eat together all of these things make such a huge difference and that's what Shelterbox provides. Thank you, Harry. I'll I'll turn to yourself from Professor Howard Jones, if that's okay, just for a second, because, of course, you know, getting your kind of insight into what this must be like for the Syrian children will be, um, you know, I think really important to kind of have a a bit of a think about. I mean, what what is this like? I mean, to a layperson like myself, it sounds like it must be absolutely horrendous for those children. Yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the things that's not often thought about is the effect of living in an insecure environment and a difficult environment like that on children's learning and development. And, and those effects, you know, can, can roll on for a, a, a lifetime. Um, and, you know, we take it for granted um, quite often that, that the safety and security of our home. But if you're living in a place where you feel unsure and, and insecure, that, that drains away the capacities of both um, the, the parents and, and the children to have the sorts of really important interactions, um, you know, that you need for, for, for learning and development. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just looking at the uh, kind of a release in front of me here and I'm, I'm thinking about um, play, uh, you know, being so crucial to a child's development. And, and I'm just thinking, yeah. you know, I, I, obviously interesting to get kind of an expert's perspective on this, but that must be just one of those crucial things, which is probably at the back of people's minds. If they're just thinking about survival and getting through the day, that must just get pushed out the picture. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it. Uh, I mean, remember, that these children have, have been through quite a lot before they've even got to the camp quite often. Um, and, and then what children need is, is being able to explore and, and to play and, and discover 
um, and have those important interactions with adults. And, and that's just really difficult in that type of environment. I mean, play, this is not a frivolous thing. This is how children learn. They learn about others. They learn to explore different situations. And actually, when you ask children in these situations, you know, what they need, they, they will tell you it's, it's friendships, it's learning, and it's play, it's opportunities for recreation. Um, and that's, that's just inc so important. Um, children that can't play, that don't have the opportunities, or sometimes because of anxieties don't have the capacities to play, are just not going to get the developmental opportunities. And that, that can have a lifelong consequence. Yeah, I was kind of thinking about that as you were talking. I mean, it, tragically, it sounds like, you know, this isn't just a thing that that can simply be kind of solved. I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be quite lasting impacts of, you know, children getting going through these difficult times. That That must be kind of lifelong. Yeah, I mean, I think this is why there's such a sense of urgency to, to be able to intervene and try to improve the, the, the accommodation to something that, that feels a little bit more like a, a secure home. Um, it's just so important. It's, it, you know, you can think about the physical importance of that in terms of being warm and comfortable, but there's a massive psychological impact on it as well. And, and that's you know, most important, actually, for, for the children, uh, because they need that environment to be able to develop properly. Uh, and kind of off the back of that kind of urgency issue, which I think is, you know, really, really important. Thanks, um, Professor Howard Jones, for that. And this, this one's kind of open to you, to you both, I suppose, wherever you'd like to uh, jump in. But I, I'm kind of imagining this is coming at a really, really um, bad time this year, of course, because of you know, the impacts of coronavirus, which we're all kind of familiar with. But, you know, over in Syria, where they're already having to deal with such hardship, this must just be a, a kind of a completely insurmountable issue for so many people. I mean, I'm just looking at the kind of vaccine rollout figures and, and they're really not great over in, in Syria. So this must just be another issue on top of all of this that just makes it so difficult. Yes, um, Ben, you're absolutely right. It's a crisis on top of a crisis, really. Um, and so for the last couple of years, Shelterbox has been sort of not just giving things like tents and blankets and solar lights to these families, but also... Um, adding additional items that will help them to protect themselves against coronavirus, things like face masks, things like soap and hand basins. And all of these things are designed so that they can um, sort of create a safe space, but also distance themselves from other families as well if they need to. Um, so as you say, the rollout, vaccine rollout rate for Syria is looking very, very low. Um, but hopefully with some of these other measures in place, we can certainly give families or empower families to make choices themselves and protect themselves. Yeah, thank you. I, I think, you know, the, the kind of sense of urgency really is coming through here. And and I guess the really obvious thing to ask at this point, um, you know, and, and turning to yourself, Harry, you know, all the fantastic work that Shelterbox has, has been doing, how can our listeners get involved and, and how can they help? Yeah, so, I mean, we would absolutely love for people to find out a little bit more about who we are and who we help. Um, so if you wanted to visit our website, which is shelterbox.org, have a read, and then hopefully maybe you'll consider giving a donation to us this year. Um, so, yeah, just Google Shelterbox and you'll be able to find our website or our social media channels. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because I was thinking, you know, of, of course, the, 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 the ever important donations, but I, I don't know whether there's anything else that you kind of like people to take note about, whether it be, I don't know, I mean, you've kind of said it there already, but, you know, following what you're doing, you know, that could be on social media, on your website, keeping up to date with what Shelterbox is up to and, and just, you know, knowing what they can they can do to, to assist, you know, with, with your various campaigns. I think that would be really useful for people. 
Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, we're, we're, as I say, we're really proudly Cornish. So the more people who like know us and know who we are and how they can get involved, either through donating or supporting us in different ways, volunteering, then um, our website has all of that information. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we're very welcoming to anyone who wants to find out more. Well, that's it from me for now. I really hope you've enjoyed this episode of Monster Frequency. And all that is left to do is to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And please have yourself a fantastic new year. Bye!